morning to have some fellowship with all the parents in the church life. We'd like to read a few verses together uh, before we start. Uh, We'd like to start with Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. So if you have your Bibles with you, go open to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And uh, we can read that verse together. Genesis 12, 3. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Brothers, let's read it again. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Sisters. Amen. Then let us read Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. All together. I am about to send Elijah the prophet to you before the great and terrible day Jehovah comes. And he will turn the hearts, the father to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land. Let's read these two verses together one more time. I am about to send Elijah, the prophet, to you before the great and terrible day of Jehovah comes. And he will turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a curse. Amen. Then let us read Acts chapter 2, verse 39. Acts chapter 2, verse 39. For to you is the promise, and to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. One more time. For to you is the promise, and to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. Amen. And then let us conclude with Second Timothy three, fourteen through seventeen. Second Timothy chapter three. Verses 14 through 17. Amen. But you continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from which ones you have learned them, and that from a babe you have known the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for, for, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, 
that the man of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. How about sisters, 14 brothers, 15 will all alternate. Sisters. And that from a babe you have known the sacred writings which are able to make you wise unto salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. That the man of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. Let us have some prayer for the release of the word this morning.
A couple of months ago now that um, we had this fellowship among the brothers to separate this day for this kind of fellowship. So we'll have three sessions of fellowship, two before lunch and one after lunch, uh, planning to end, I think, at 3, 3.30 today. And um, with this kind of goal to have a, a, a kind of development of this first banner for this year, and that is the the family life for the church life, and the church life in every home. And um, to me, it was, a, it was a great strengthening as I was spending a little time with the Lord this morning, and I was in the uh, assigned verses and so on. I don't know if how many of you got to do the uh, extra reading uh, uh, today. Of course, with our schedule, many had to travel here, so I would understand if you haven't. But uh, it was very interesting to me that uh, um, in the church's kind of review of, of what we're, we're covering now, Colossians, with uh, the Thanksgiving conference on knowing and experiencing the all-inclusive, extensive Christ. And this morning, the verses were Colossians chapter 3, uh, 17 to 21. Do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not vex your children that they may not be disheartened. Now, we did not plan that in the uh, alignment of all the messages on February 1st, that Saturday, these would be the verses for the morning. But this is how it ended up. I don't think I have to say anything. There's, there's something of the Lord's arrangement here. And, and then, because he knew what we would be doing on that day. Okay, but not only so, I'd like to read the, uh, the, the end of the excerpt. You know that there's a little daily reading. Uh, the end of the excerpt reads like this. Through our family life, we learn many valuable lessons from the Lord. I believe that the angels are observing to see whether or not we live out Christ in our family life. It is not as difficult to live out Christ in the church as it is to live him out at home. But how wonderful it is for a brother or sister to express Christ in his or her married life. No brother or sister in the Lord's recovery should aspire to live like a monk or a nun. At the right time, the brothers and sisters should marry and then learn through the experiences of married life to express Christ in their human living. So uh, when I saw that this... this uh, little ministry excerpt was connected to the families, um, I, I, I did feel today's, today's time is really of the Lord, uh, that the Lord has something for his church, for our, for our going on. And, uh, you know, uh, as we've been covering this matter in, in Colossians, uh, we've, we, we have touched upon, uh, especially one of the one of these messages from Thanksgiving, message number two, was specifically on this matter of the land. 
And uh, we mentioned there how when Paul was writing this book, he had a kind of a picture in front of him of the Old Testament. Okay, we're, we, we're, we're kind of in the midst of that. Then we had the, uh, the training on the book of Deuteronomy, which we will cover, study with the whole church in the, in the weeks and months to come. And of course, that, the book of Deuteronomy, is, uh, its placing in the scripture is, is just before, just before the children of Israel go into the good land. It's the preparation. And um, anyway, as we've been in these uh, matters and in these uh, various portions of Scripture, uh, something just became very uh, clear to me um, that I think is very relevant to our to our fellowship today. And that is that uh, we know we know that uh, everything in the Old Testament is a picture, is a type for the New Testament church for our learning. And even the matter of families, even the matter of raising our children, there are things there that we can observe and learn from. There are principles that we can draw, draw from that are relevant to the New Testament, to the New Testament church. And uh, <clears throat> saints, I, I think you would see that from beginning to end, from the beginning to the end in the Old Testament, actually in the whole Bible, but especially in the Old Testament, you can see two battles or two struggles. Two struggles. The first is a battle concerning the land. Concerning the land. You know, the land, of course, is so crucial to God's accomplishing his purpose with the children of Israel. And that's a type. That's a picture of our experience of Christ, because Colossians says that we are rooted and grounded in him and that we should walk in him as our sphere and as our land. But then the next, the next verse, that's Colossians 2, 6, and 7. The next verse says, Beware that no one carries you off as spoil through his philosophy and, and empty deceit. Well, in this book, Deuteronomy, at the end, Moses has his strong warnings, his strong warnings. And uh, at the end of the book, he tells them, I have put before you blessing and cursing, life and death. Therefore, choose life. What's the next sentence? What's the next portion? Therefore, choose life. That who? You, you, and your seed shall live. You and your seed. You and your descendants. That's what it's saying. That you and and your descendants. The battle is not just over us. There's a second battle. There's a second battle. It's not only a battle over the children of Israel staying on the land. Because if 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 you trace the history of God's people... Actually, from the beginning, from the very beginning in Genesis, what, what do you see? God creates the heavens and the earth, and then before, before nearly anything happens, the whole earth is gone. It's underwater. What does that mean? That we're separated from, from the land. Of course, on the third day, 
the, God made the dry land to appear, and eventually life started again on, on the earth, and God created man, and so on. But, but <clears throat> man's history is a history of being on the land and being taken away from the land. And, and that's a picture of our experience today in the New Testament. <clears throat> then uh, God calls Abraham. What did God tell Abraham? What did, what did, I should say, what did God promise to Abraham? Actually, God promised two things to Abraham. The first is land. And the second was what? A seed. Of course, of course, eventually that promise, that seed, is Christ, right? Is Christ. Uh, but, but, he also says that your descendants will be like the stars and like the sand. So it is his descendants, descendant. It has its fulfillment in God's people, and that promise has its fulfillment in Christ. But we can see that actually there's a battle from start to finish over the land and over the seed. That is, over the land, over our experience of Christ as our land. And there is a battle over the second generation of God's people. From start to finish, you can, you can, see, you can see this battle. Actually, even from the first, second generation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, who was the first, second generation? That's Cain and Abel. Even from there, you could see the tactic of Satan was different than the first generation. He made a way in, actually through sibling rivalry, through jealousy. He came, the enemy came in. And that's that's Genesis 4. In Exodus 1, we see there is this battle. You know, the, the, the history of, of in, in, in Genesis, when, when Genesis finishes, God's people number only 70 souls. Seven zero. Seventy souls. But when you turn the page to Exodus 1, how many are God's people? We don't have a set number, but it could be. It could be. Estimates are it could be two million. That's based on the army and their age uh, between 20 and, you know, 20 and up being 600,000 plus, 600, plus. So the estimate is about two million. Hundreds of years pass between the end of, of Genesis, beginning of Exodus. And there, now remember, remember, Everything in the Old Testament related to Israel is a type, right? Usually, usually we own the believers, Christians, most Christians, including ourselves, we usually take only selective things like the Passover. Well, even, even in this story, we might take Egypt as the world. We take Pharaoh as the Satan. We take, we take, um, we take, um, the Passover, the crossing of the Red Sea, the manna, um, the tabernacle. But there's something else in chapter 1 that I, I'd like to highlight. 
that is very relevant, especially to the families or to the parents. And that is Satan's, or the Pharaoh's, the Pharaoh's fear. The Pharaoh's being threatened. You know, in Exodus 1, the Pharaoh is anxious. Why is the Pharaoh anxious? The Pharaoh is anxious because God's people grew too much. Actually, he's anxious over the next generation of God's people. He's anxious over the increase of God's people. And we know, we know that the increase of the church in the New Testament has two major sources. Two sources. That is, from outside we preach the gospel and people come in. And then from inside we raise up our children. And actually, we have a number here in this audience that got saved into the church life in the last 15 or 20 years. But very interesting. Many, when they came in, were single. But after some time, you got married. Now, the church is caring for your children, even as teenagers, even as teenagers. So, even the increase from outside ends up with increase from inside. So, really, we have to pay attention to the increase from inside. And the Pharaoh was nervous. Do you see, brothers and sisters, this shows us that Satan fears, Satan is threatened by your children. He's threatened by your children standing with God. He's threatened by this. So, there is a kind of a tactic. There is a scheme. And actually, this scheme is kind of, has two prongs. One is toward the older generation. And that is to tire them out. I think we all know this. We teach this, these stories to the, to the children, uh, either at home or in our children's meeting. To tire the older generation out so they don't have energy to worship Jehovah. He just wants to suck their energy. Okay. But the tactic toward the younger generation, very different. Actually, more evil. More evil. More insidious. What is that? Kill. To take away the life of the second generation. At least half of them. At least half of them. That is, if it's a, a, a baby is born, and if it's a male, then you kill it. If that plan had been successful... Of course, it wasn't because of two sisters. Praise the Lord. Sisters. Actually, today we'll probably talk a lot about the function of the sisters, even though the sisters' conference is still coming. We have a lot to say for the sisters. The moms and the grandmas are very important in God's economy. Yeah. But if that scheme had been successful then it would have wiped out the boys. The girls grow up. Eventually, whom would they marry? They're left only to marry Egyptians. And in one generation, the pure Israel would have been wiped out. It would have been a mixture. So, death and mixture. Death and mixture. 
Actually, just yesterday I read another uh, article concerning the increase of the suicide rate in this country. It's, 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 it's just uh, appalling. It's just appalling. And uh, very interesting, among uh, the, 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 the uh, report I read, even among certain ethnicities, the different rates of uh, people who consider suicide. Actually, that was the focus of this uh, article. Uh, of course, quite a number of you work in the public school system, so you may have seen this article. This was actually from from uh, a magazine that sent out to the to the teachers or people in the teachers union, <clears throat> and the it was a call to action, a call to action of parents and teachers to be able to um, to uh, uh, observe and recognize the 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 signs when someone. Uh, is considering suicide, and to encourage a listening ear. Not, al- not to encourage alarm, but to encourage a listening ear, to have a heart of compassion, and then, and then to learn, to learn, in a sense, you might call it psychological CPR, to, to get this person to the proper help to keep them okay until they get the proper help. Because often we, we are not able to provide the proper help. And the proper help is not all spiritual. It's not all spiritual. We need to, we need to learn these kind, of, these kind of things. Anyway, I, I feel like this, what we're seeing in our society today, and, and incidentally, it's everywhere. It's everywhere in the West, in the East. Certain, certain countries, I, I'm quite burdened. Uh, actually, I just looked at the, uh, the, the, the increase of the rate of suicide in Korea. It's alarming, the, the, the increase. Um, so burdened, so burdened for, for the Korean community in New York. And you, you, you do know, we, we purchased Hall 3, right? Hall 3, from, a, from a, a group, a Christian group that was of Korean believers. And we also purchased KPCC, Camp Penuel, from a consortium of uh, uh, Korean churches. Uh, why are they not able to sustain their camp ministry? Why? That shows that they're losing the second generation. They're losing the second generation. We need to pray for this. Not just among ourselves, but all our Christian brothers and sisters. The second generation among all our, our believing brothers and sisters. We need to pray. The enemy, the enemy is on the attack. But do you see the principle has been there since Exodus? The principle has been there since, actually, Genesis 4. The, the attempt to wipe out at least half of God's people uh, in the second generation. So this has been there unveiled to us. We need, we need to rise up and, and pay attention to this battle. And, and throughout the course of the 
Old Testament, you can see this. Actually, recently, I was, I was so, uh, I was struck by, by, by this. Um, the behavior of some of the kings uh, uh, among God's people. These are some of the kings, starting with Solomon. Starting with Solomon. You know, in, in um, the history of Israel, uh, the high peak, the high peak is 1 Kings chapter 8. Do you know what occurs there? That is the dedication of the temple. The dedication of the temple. This is after the time of Joshua, all the battles, they take the land, the allotment of, uh, to, all the, to all the tribes. And, uh, of course, the judges, dark history, but then the Lord raises up Samuel, and then raises up David. Uh, of course, Saul's really the first king, but David, a man after his heart. And he wanted to build, out of his love for the Lord, he wanted to build something for uh, Jehovah, a house for Jehovah. And he could not because of too much bloodshed. But he prepared everything, and the Lord gave him this son, Solomon. First Kings chapter 8. Solomon dedicates the temple with a marvelous prayer. I know many of you are familiar with that prayer. You know, in that prayer, he says, If your children disobey and are carried off, but they look to this house, if they look to this land, if they look to this city, answer their prayers. Oh, wonderful. And as he's praying, the glory fills the house. The glory fills the house. That's chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. In 1 Kings chapter 11, we're told that his heart, because of so many wives, so many wives, mixture came in. Mixture came in. And particularly, these women, they worshipped the Gentile idols. And two are mentioned there. Two are mentioned there. And I know in your, in your reading of the Old Testament, we come upon these names. Uh, I don't know about you. I never spent too much time with, with these names. I just know they're there. But in our recent semi-annual training, one of them was highlighted by one of the brothers. Yeah. That is the Ashtara. Yeah. The Ashtara, which is the female deity. The female deity. But that's not the one I want to talk about. I want to talk about the other one. Do you know this name? Molech? Molech. His name pops up. The name of this idol pops up constantly. But I was really struck by the fact that Solomon did something to erect an altar to this so-called God, small g, this idol. Both the Ashtara and Molech in 1 Kings 11. Now, you may say, this is a fellowship for parents. What does this have to do with Ashtoreth and Molech? Well, you know, this god, so-called, of Molech, <clears throat> what he is known for, what that thing is known for, and you'll, 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 I think if you've read the Old Testament a few times, you're familiar with this phrase, that they made the children pass through the fire. They made their children pass through the fire to Molech. So this was, this was an idol that they had child sacrifice. 
Now, there's some question of different practices, whether they would just offer up, whether they would, you know, offer up the baby totally, or they would just cause the child to pass through fire. But anyway, it is, it is child sacrifice. Yeah. Child sacrifice. Saints, why does this appear even in the Word? Why is this there? We need to consider. Why would the Lord, in His sovereignty, as the prophets were writing the Old Testament and putting down, and we say all Scripture is God-breathed. And what is this? Why is this there? Do you see, there is a battle over all the children. And, and it's possible, and it's possible that unknowingly, unknowingly, some of us may have made our children pass through the fire. That is, we sacrifice them. We sacrifice them in the wrong way. We sacrifice. We didn't care for them in the proper way. And, and to me, it's so alarming, alarming, that even the leaders of God's people would, would, would take the lead to such, in, in, in such a way. There's something here, brothers and sisters. I feel there's something here we need to pray concerning. That there would be, that there would be nothing of this kind of nature um, unknowingly, unconsciously, by any of the families. As we're raising our children, we would, we would not, because of the trends of the age, unknowingly offer them to the world. You know, in, in Colossians chapter 2, maybe we could, uh, we could look at that. Colossians chapter 2, uh, verse 8. If we could look at that together. This is just after these wonderful verses that say, As therefore you have received the Christ, Jesus the Lord, walk in him. That's verse 6. Seven, having been rooted and being built up in him and being established in the faith, even as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That's seven. Let's read eight together. Beware. Here, as we mentioned, there is this picture. Beware that no one carries you off. That, that picture of being carried away from the land. In the church life, in our church life, it's possible to be taken away from Christ. If that occurs, it's also possible our seed is affected. Our children are affected. You know, we have... We have the full spectrum of families in the church life here with such a large number. Of course, we have, we have brand new parents. We have brand new parents. We have parents with pre, pre, preschool age, elementary age, and all the way through middle school, high school. We have all the way through grandparents, even great-grandparents, maybe some great-great-grandparents. We have the full spectrum and we also have uh, uh, the full spectrum of Christian experience. And that is some who have been in the church life 40 or 50 years, all the way to new ones who were just baptized in the most recent months. 
all with children or grandchildren. So those of us with experience, we need to consider in our perfecting of new ones, one area, one area that we have to pay attention to, not just encouraging them about their the practices in their personal Christian life, we should also be burdened for the family life. We should help them, we should help them to have a proper family life in Christ. Now here, this verse mentions a few things. It says, Beware that no one carries you off as spoil through his philosophy. Saints, there is a philosophy. There is a national philosophy of raising children. There's a cultural philosophy. And then every family, even, even within a country, different regions have their philosophy. In, in this country, there's a New York philosophy, there's a Texan philosophy, there's a California philosophy. We, oh, let, me, let me finish the verse, it's very possible we are, have, we are following those philosophies rather than raising our children according to Christ. Okay, continuing. An empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the elements of the world, and not according to Christ. It's very possible that our parenting philosophy is shaped merely by tradition. Now, of course, all of us, all of us would probably feel or I would say, maybe I would rather say, the majority of us would feel that our culture that has good things. And of course culture has good things. That's how it's propagated. And we shape our raising of our children according to how we were raised. Many good things there. But I would say still, be careful. It's best, it's best that we would pass all those things through this kind of standard or scale according to Christ. According to Christ. You know, there is a, there is a kind of pressure, in, in, I think, in this city. There is a pressure, even from pre-K, even from pre-K, to place them, the children, in certain situations so that they can get into a particular elementary school so that they could get into a particular high school so that they can get into a particular university or group of universities. There's, there's this kind of thought. Is that good? Of course it's good. But I would say, before just doing that as a kind of tradition, as an element of the world, it is good if mommy and daddy would take this to the Lord. Even, even the enrollment in preschool and pass it through Christ. Pass it through Christ. You know, I've gotten, in this last year, a little, year, a little bit plus, I don't know how many uh, emails from all four corners of the country and in, in the middle uh, especially Texas, concerning concerning the curriculum, the curriculum of some of the schools, 
and the involvement of the uh, LGBT agenda. This is something that today we, we have to face. Um, parents from the West Coast, Northwest, Texas, Boston, down in the Southeast, everywhere. You would think in some places, because, like, for example, the Bible Belt, the Christian influence, but would not have so much problem. Actually, dear saints, this is the age we are, we are in. And sometimes the best, so-called best schools, end up being the most liberal ones. So we must, we must pass all our uh, um, uh, decision-making through Christ. We need, to, we need to have, we need to be vigilant. We need to have our eyes opened. Uh, be careful of the worldly trend. Be careful of the worldly trend. Even in these areas, even from pre-K age, these are things that maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we would only talk when we were, when we were having fellowship with the parents of the high schoolers. But today, we have to bring this into the realm of our, of our fellowship. But we would just encourage you, saints, encourage you, beware, beware. The battle is not just for us or toward us. The battle is regarding our seed, regarding our next generation. Okay. Um, in the, in the special uh, meeting that we had, the semi-annual celebration, I think it was Jan- the 12th, is that right? January 12th. Uh, we brought out something um, just very quickly. We'd like to spend more time on this, both in this session and in the next. And that is the family being the unit of salvation. The family being the unit of salvation. Actually, we presented these four things on January 12th. The family is the unit of salvation. The family is the unit of service. The family is the unit of rejoicing. That is, of enjoying the Lord. Enjoying the riches of the, 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 the overflow of the riches of the land. And the family is the unit of church life. That's from the New Testament in uh, Acts chapter 2. That, that first day, the day of Pentecost. In the morning, the Spirit is poured out. And the church is really formed officially. Later that day, they're meeting from house to house. And we should realize, actually, that just means family after family. The church life is meant to be in our family, in our household. And I just want to point out a little bit the, the strong, consistent pattern or examples in the Scriptures. And I hope that just even mentioning some of them, the Lord would have a way to speak to us. Because we're familiar with, uh, with many of these. You know, uh, we mentioned uh, Abraham. With Abraham, the, the verse that we read, to me it's, it's, it's just so interesting that it says, In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In Abraham, in Abraham, Father Abraham. 
In you shall all the families, not the people of the earth, not the people, not individuals, but families. You know, this is repeated quite a number of times in both the Old and New Testament. And sometimes, sometimes it says in you, actually most times it says, in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. But the first time it says families. And actually, nations are made of families. You know, I, I really would recommend the life study of Titus in this regard. In that life study, uh, Brother Lee brings out that uh, the church, the family, the society, and the government are all stressed. But the building block is the family. The family is the key both for the church and for society. And today it's very clear when we look at the landscape around us that the enemy over the last 50 years has just attacked the fabric of the family in our society. We need to recover families. We need to recover families. And, and new families among us. New families among us. Oh, how we need to surround them and strengthen them that from the beginning, from the beginning, they would not allow the enemy to have any ground. So that as they're going on and bringing children into the family life, oh, the children would have such a pro good covering, a household with an atmosphere of love. Later on, actually after, after the lunchtime, uh, in the third session, we plan to show you some slides with some statistics and some findings of various uh, uh, surveys. Uh, because, saints, we're not the only ones, we're not the only ones among Christians who are battling with the keeping of our second and third generation. You know, in the churches in general, in the local churches in North America, generally we lose about half of our second and third generation. Once the children get to their late teens and twenties, about half don't have much heart for, for the Lord. And, and actually many Christian groups experience something like this and there have been studies done. And we'd like to present to you some of the findings of those studies because we found some of the findings actually match our experience. And maybe we could learn some things uh, together. But that will be after, after the, the lunchtime. But one thing is certain, and this is echoed in, that, in, in one of those surveys. The biggest key is parents and grandparents. The biggest key whether the children go on with the Lord or not, is the parents and the grandparents. It's family. So, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. But even before Abraham, we can see in the story of Noah. You know, uh, when, we, when we teach the story of Noah, usually we talk about Noah and the ark. Right? Noah and the ark. And you can find books about Noah and the ark. But how many went into the ark? Actually, eight. A family went into the ark. 
Do you realize Noah built something to save his family? And that is what we are doing. And that's what every parent, should, the, the realization every parent should have. I'm building something for my family. I'm not, I'm not just in the church life myself. I am building. I am building. We talk about the building of the church. But do you realize your building of the church is actually building something to save your family? That should be our strong realization. And of course, in Noah's story, something very precious that you see is not only his own children, not only his own children, eventually those three daughters-in-law were gained, and his increase, and I don't know if this is where Brother Ni nee or Brother Lee got this thought from about 50% of our increase from inside and from outside. But the story of Noah, that was brother and sister Noah, that was their experience. Their, they gained their three children for the Lord, and then they gained three others for the Lord. Three, of course, friends. It started as friends. It always starts as friends, no? And eventually they got married. But consider, think about this. That day when Jehovah shut the door, you know, you know that in the story of Noah, Jehovah shut the door. Do you realize that the families of those three girls were outside? The screams, don't you think eventually they were screams from outside? And, but Jehovah shut the door. It was, too, it was too late. But among those screams were the relatives of, of those three girls. They gained some from the world. But how was it that those three girls stood with Noah's family? That to me is a mystery. That to me is a mystery. But I do have a feeling that it had a lot to do with Mrs. Noah. I, 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 I do feel... Uh, you know, her name is not mentioned. Her name is not mentioned. But, but, oh, in the kingdom or in the New Jerusalem, I would like to sit with her and the three girls to know the real story. There's more behind that, saints. There's more behind that. This couple somehow gained their children to stand with dad's vision, to follow dad's vision, don't you think the mother had a lot to do with that? Don't you think that they heard much ridicule over those years about what Noah was doing? But somehow they stood with their father. Actually, they stood with their family heritage. They stood with their family heritage. Because with Noah, Noah did not drop from the sky. Noah was not the first one following Jehovah. Noah, he inherited all the godly ways of his forefathers. You know, when we're introduced to Noah, it says, Noah walked with God. Noah walked with... Was he the first one that walked with God? No, of course not. It was his what? Great? Great? Great, great. Grandfather. And incidentally, incidentally, Methuselah, that's Enoch's son, was a contemporary, not only of Noah, but of the three boys. For all their life, 
until the, the year of the flood. If you, if you follow the years, you know Methuselah, right? Methuselah is the answer to a trivia question. That is, who, who lived the longest in the Bible? How long? You should, we all should know this. Nine? Not nine, six, nine. Close. Nine, six, nine. That extra year is very important. Yeah. Nine, six, nine. Nine, six, nine. And if you, and if you trace all the, 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 the chronology, you realize Methuselah died the year of the flood. And, and appropriately so, because his name was prophetically given as Methuselah, which means when he dies, it will occur. What kind of a name is this? But Enoch was inspired by Jehovah to name his child. When he dies, it will occur. Now consider, what kind of a family is this? And can't, can, can you not imagine great-grandpa Methuselah getting the, ch- the boys? Boys, listen, I want to tell you about my father. He walked with God. He walked with God and God, and God took him. We're in a very special family. Don't you, can you not imagine that there was some kind of talk like this? And those boys, anyway, were helped to take the family heritage, continue the family heritage, and speak the family heritage, and they gained others. Oh, dear saints, how, how we long that among us the leakage would stop, the attrition would stop, losing so many, but rather our children would gain other children. Other children. And through those children gain other families. That's our view. That's our vision. That's our hope. That's why we're having today. That's why the ba- this is the banner for this year. We need to pray for the families. And for this, me in the next, actually in the next session, we'll talk about a little more the family life. How can we have an atmosphere in the family that is so conducive so attracting to our next generation that they would want to bring others into this kind of atmosphere rather than run away from it, which, which often is, is the case. But in Noah's household, you can really see the family of Noah can be a real inspiration. <clears throat> After this, uh, when, in the, when the time of uh, Moses and the Passover, we see one one more uh, example. <clears throat> the Passover lamb was household by household, not individual by individual. A lamb for a house. Of course, there was the provision, if your household was too small, you could invite a neighbor over and you could share one lamb to- together. But for the most part, family by family. And <clears throat> we pointed this out on various occasions. Jehovah's desire, both in the Old and New Testament, was always to have a kingdom of priests. To have a a kingdom in which every constituent had the same right to go to God 
and to represent God. To, to bring man to God and God to man. That was his desire. That's in, that's in Exodus 19. He, he mentions this is the reason he brought them out of Egypt. And this is repeated in Revelation. In Revelation 1 it talks about he saved us, he redeemed us to be a kingdom of priests. But you consider in the Old Testament, did he ever get that? Oh, far from it. Who were the priests in the Old Testament? Only one tribe. Only one tribe served that function on behalf of everyone. <clears throat> However, on the night of the Passover, on the night of the Passover, there was a lamb slain in every household. And blood was applied. Blood was applied in every home. And to whom do you ascribe or relate those functions of slaying the lamb and applying the blood? Surely that's, those are priestly functions. So do, do you realize that night, maybe that night, the Lord got as close as he ever did to have a kingdom of priests. But in that scenario, who were the priests? The parents. The moms and dads carried this out. And in Exodus 12 and 13, it talks about this. It says that when the children see you doing this, they will ask you, what, what is this service? And you were not, the instructions were not, um, wait and we'll gather all the children and we'll have Auntie Miriam give a lesson. Wait, and we'll get a message from Aaron or Moses. No. The instruction was, when they ask you, the parents should just answer. The parents should answer. And actually, I think it's in chapter 13 that it says something like this, that the answer should be something like this. It is because of what Jehovah did for me. Oh, all the parents. We have to help all the parents. We have to help all our new parents. We have so many new ones among us, in, 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 especially in certain halls. We have to help them realize this is their responsibility. Don't wait for the fifth grade or sixth grade. You know, uh, I, was, uh, I was visiting another locality recently, and one of the fathers was driving me to the meeting, and, uh, and he told me this story that his, his boy, um, I, th I think his, his boy was about nine, um, he, he had trouble, uh, I guess he had, he had, I don't know if it was, he just got his phone. I think he just got his phone. And so <laughs> the rule is, can't use your phone once you go to sleep, at bedtime. That's the rule. I mean, that's the regular rule. <clears throat> and the boy got caught. Uh, he was doing some something. And uh, he was looking up videos of making models or tents or something. He was... Anyway. <clears throat> then he felt very bad. Felt very bad. <clears throat> then some time passed. And then the boy came. And, and was uh, just stricken. He's stricken. He did it again. But he didn't get caught. But he felt so bad. He felt so bad. So he told his, his, his dad. And the dad, 
his attitude. His attitude was, oh, okay, oh, I, I forgive you, thanks for telling me, and kind of sent him away, uh, or, or was about to send him away. And then the Lord touched him. This might be, an opportu- this might be the opportunity. The Lord is working in your boy. The Lord is working in your boy. But he confessed to me that he didn't have this concept because in that area, they have the so-called Sixth Graders Conference where they preach the gospel. You know, we, we usually preach uh, in years past in sixth grade. Last year, we started to preach to the f- end of the fifth grade. So they have a similar thing. So he had this concept. That, that should be then. And then the Lord stopped him as he was going according to tradition. Actually, not the traditions of men, but the tradition of the church. And the Lord stopped him. The Lord is working in your boy. This might be the opportunity. So, he realized this, and he talked to his wife, and they had some prayer. And it was actually on January 1st of this year, they had a little talk with their boy, and they shared with him why he's not able to obey mommy and daddy. It's because there's something in him called sin. Anyway, they spent some time with him and they all knelt down and prayed together. I thought that was what a beautiful way to start the new year with priests in the household. Dear saints, our children are of the Lord. We've consecrated them to the Lord. It should not be a surprise when the Spirit works on them operates on them to prepare them for himself maybe I'll just mention that much I don't know if the brothers want to jump in and amen I will just continue our brother sharing <coughs> a little bit. While our brother was sh- uh, sharing in the beginning, uh, I also come to this morning's uh, uh, Holy Word for Morning Revival. Uh, uh, it's on, on Colossians, not to the parents. The last, the last group was the parents, not to vex the children. And uh, the, same pa- uh, the same portion in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, was also the last power was concerning the parents, not to provoke the children, but admonish, but discipline them uh, in the admonishing, uh, in the discipline and admonishing of the law. Uh, we need to help the children. So, in fact, what we covered was pretty much uh, uh, the discipline and admonishing of the law. So, it's uh, what we have learned here. In fact, uh, should not be for us only. Uh, but for the next generation. Uh, I see here we have the, uh, some we have three generations. So for the, you know, this is a, a parents' conference. Uh, so it's not just for, uh, there are some got married, but you don't have children, so you are not officially parents. Uh, I remember when I got married, uh, <clears throat> okay, that's very, uh, there was a kind of a, uh, <clears throat> spotlight points of my life. But before I realized, my children came. So I switched from the uh, husband and wife to parents. 
So uh, some of you here also, you know, we have some got married and uh, still think, uh, still don't have any children. Uh, so we soon may enter into the what we are uh, sharing here concerning the parents. Uh, you know, this this year, uh, this this is a new year. Uh, we have uh, at least I know there are four marriages coming up. So these are the increase. Uh, there'll be more children coming up. So our brother share, you know, the enemy is trying to attack the next generation and kill the laws, uh, kill the children of Israel during Moses' time. Uh, I feel the, the enemy is doing the same thing uh, here. You know, we have uh, the church is going on. We have the number in increasing, and we also have the family uh, establishing, and uh, there are more children coming up. So we need to be on the alert so the enemy will not kind of uh, come in uh, to do some kind of damage. Uh, I just feel this, uh, this gathering is very crucial for the church, you know, especially in this year. Uh, the burden is for the families, for the church life, and, uh, and the church life in every household. So I, I, I feel we all are here uh, for the Lord's burden for this year. And, uh, and this word is very healthy for us to, uh, uh, to hear and uh, uh, to through the word, through the sharing, to enter into the same burden. So I, I just feel this is very timely. Uh, <clears throat> I feel also uh, the enemy is trying uh, through the society and bring in some, uh, some uh, bad influence. Uh, <clears throat> I think we are in a very crucial time uh, concerning our next generation. In fact, just recently, uh, <clears throat> I, I heard, you know, there's a famous basketball player uh, died. And uh, a young one, in fact, uh, among us, Say something. Oh, I'm going to be with her. Him. That is alarming. That is alarming. So we should not take it for granted. You know, that you know our our children are always safe, uh, because of what's happening, it may come in and affect our children. So I just feel uh, <clears throat> when it was mentioned to me, I didn't know how to do it, what to do it. But anyway, uh, I realized at least I can pray. So I, I, I pray with the one that uh, shared, shared, shared this with me. And after prayer, uh, we both have much peace that, uh, you know, for, the, for that person uh, that the Lord can do something. And, uh, so, but anyhow, I just feel that today we are uh, in the church life and uh, we should uh, <clears throat> come, you know, be uh, on the alert on the watchful side that we will not take anything for granted uh, both for our children our gener- next generation also for the young ones that we are caring for so I feel that this is very crucial uh, I was touched that you know uh, by faith you know we, uh, it mentioned that uh, the witnesses of faith in Hebrews 11, and uh, oh, they walk with God. You know, they are uh, many. Many of them is all done by faith. 
So, whatever we are here doing is not by sight, but rather by faith. And by faith means by prayer, you know. We don't have faith in ourselves, but when we pray, that means we depend on the Lord. So, so many situations, uh, both in our family, uh, between husband and wife, uh, they are, you know, this is the target of the enemy. Uh, and also concerning our children's situations, uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult. But when we pray, we have faith. When we pray, and the Lord can come in and uh, uh, can carry out His work. So I just want to mention this, that uh, today I, I think this sharing is very timely, very crucial uh, for our families, for the husband and wives, and also for some of us, we already are, we are, already are parents. Uh, we need to, uh, uh, be, to be watchful. You know, I have a... Uh, before I realized, uh, I had a more than one kid. It was, they all lined up. And now, <laughs> now I have uh, three got married, but two are parents also. And uh, of course, there are a couple still not married. Uh, I just feel that today, no matter whether we are singles, or we are married, we are not still not parents, we all need to be watchful. We need to uh, uh, fight the battle with the Lord and uh, let the Lord continue to bless our families. You know, I feel this year, uh, through prayer and uh, remain in the church life, that's where the blessing is. And uh, we, our, our family can go on. And the Lord will have a way, continue His blessing on all the families and on the church life.